We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? As I have said before, the sequel is always better than the original. Yeah, part two of Lineups episode. We'll jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, what lineup are we starting with today? We're going small ball, Nick. We finished with closing ball lineup, which you could make an argument for could be the best small ball lineup. What did you have written down? Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same thing, Jack. Uh, like you said, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons. I think that's your best small ball lineup in terms of talent. If you wanted to get maybe more traditionally, you know, small ball and have, you know, Markeith Morris in there, a little bit more size than Ben and KD, you could definitely do that too. And then that also gives you three big forwards and a little bit more size and a little bit more rebounding, and then probably send you know, Royce to the bench or Harris to the bench. Yeah, I literally had those exact same notes written down. And to make an argument against maybe Ben Simmons, you could maybe throw Markeith Morris at the five because you've heard a little bit of chatter, a little bit of chatter there around him sort of playing some small ball five. And that sort of, you know, unlocks some of the lineups that we talked about in terms of spacing uh, as well. So, look, uh, I think it's pretty sort of straightforward. and, And the fact that the Nets have... You're probably some great small ball combinations is going to work in their favor because I think that's going to allow them to probably play the best level of basketball in terms of you know, they've just got great variety, which I think is going yeah. to bode well for them in, in, in versatility. Versatility, exactly. Uh, on, a, on a different sort of note, Nick, we'll go to the youth line. Well, let me touch one more person. I would just throw Kessler Edwards in there if you wanted more of that closer small forward than Royce O'Neal, a little bit more length, a little bit more probably you know athletic can give you a little bit of rim protection here and there on the weak side stuff we saw him have a couple great blocks last year just a name to throw out there obviously Kess has a lot of development to do but could happen over the course of the next couple months completely fair and i'm intrigued to see like royce o'neill and kessler would standing next to each other because we've seen royce o'neill standing next to ben simmons it's just like yeah. my god you're like two inches tall shorter than him you're not six four six five you're six seven six eight and i think we've heard like his grandma come out or, or, or family members of some sort whether it's his mother so it's like yeah he's six seven just when they did the measurements in, in his rookie year you know his shoes were off or, or whatever else it might be so 
you know, back was a little sni- compressed. Back might have, yeah, <laughs> might have been hunching a little bit. Might have not had the best posture that day. But yeah, it, it's with size, with versatility, it, it's some great things. But speaking of sort of you know some odd combinations, Nick, the youth lineup. The Nets have you know a fair bit of youth guys. You know, twenty five and under. If you want to throw Ben Simmons in here, you can. I didn't. But who did you throw out there? Yeah, I think you look at Cam Thomas, you look at David Duke Jr., Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, Nick Claxton. Those would be the five names. Alanis Williams would be another name. Like if you're talking about garbage time minutes, Clax probably won't be in there. But, you know, Cam, David Duke Jr., Cass Sharp, and Williams probably would be. No, I basically had the the same sort of thing there. I had Clax alongside Dayron just because yeah. I, 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 I'm in fun. love. Yeah, I thought it'd be a, a lot of fun, but... Yeah, we heard that Clax was going to play some summer leagues, whether it was last year, and then chose not to. And you know, it doesn't really mean a lot in in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, in some weird sort of you know closing lineups, hopefully the Nets are up by forty and they're able to throw out some, some weird combinations. But Clax, depending on how he's used, I think he's one of the more intriguing rotation players in how Steve Nash uses him and how he is utilized. So his strength, so he can impact uh, the best you know in in whatever form or fashion in the in the five man combinations. Yeah, and you could argue that maybe they shouldn't put Clax or Sharp in the garbage lineups because they can't afford to risk an injury because they have, no. you know, only two centers. At, at least definitely Clax. You know, Sharp, you know, I don't think will be in the regular rotation, but I'm sure there'll be opportunities for him to play good chunks of minutes because, as we know, you know, people get hurt, get sick, whatever it might be, miss time, and guys have to step up. Yeah, for sure. Now, the buckets, Nick, the one that yeah. Kevin Durant is, is listening to the podcast for, straight buckets. What's yeah. your straight buckets lineup? Yeah, this is fun. These are guys, and obviously we're talking buckets. We're talking about guys that can isolate, create for themselves. We got Kyrie Irving, Cam Thomas, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, and TJ Warren. All I guys. Exa- yeah, I the exact same combination. And it's just, it's so dumb. It's the dumbest <laughs> lineup ever, but it makes you laugh and it makes you just want to see it. Yeah, I mean, like, really, if you have a bad defender, they're going to get cooked in this lineup. Obviously, Seth probably has the least amount of isolation skill here, but still not bad for somebody who's, you know, would be a secondary or third creator in this lineup. And just seeing, I'm just really intrigued to see TJ Warren on the floor next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, because he does have the ability to attack one-on-one and be efficient. We've seen that in Indiana and he's going to get the third worst, you know, third best defender. And a lot of teams don't even have two great defenders. So TJ Warren can get matchups where he can really just eat. And I'm sure Katie and Kyrie won't mind I think a lot of people make up, well, he, they're not going to give the ball. Well, I think Kyrie and KD, especially Kevin Durant last year, was tired. And I think he was sick of doing everything. And I think that was one reason where he looked at this you know, roster in the postseason and was upset. Yeah, and I think KD, as a teammate, loves his, loves sort of the mentorship sort of role, loves buckets, <laughs> loves guys that sort of just put up numbers. It's why he clearly has, has developed such a strong affinity with now sophomore Cam Thomas, you know, those guys, they're, they're budding. Our friendship and relationship is something that you know we've both loved here on the buzz. So, look, buckets is 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 what wins the games, Nick. You know who needs who needs defense when you've got a team that can probably score 130 a night and maybe give up 115 on the other end. <laughs> no, in season's past, it's probably more like 108 uh, this season. But any other buckets uh, notes, Nick, before we get to a bit of size. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody else is really a bucket on the team. You know, maybe Joey Buckets, honorary member, but he doesn't really create for himself. So that's probably about it. Maybe David Duke Jr., a couple more off seasons developing his game. You know, we've seen a little bit of ability there, but still not enough to get to, you know, the legendary bucket lineup. 
Yeah, I mean, an anti-buckets lineup with the Nets would be would be fun too. It's like Clark <laughs> Simmons, Kessler, Edwards, David, or like whoever else it might be. There's probably combinations out there, or Edmund Sumner, yeah. or, or something like that. That or Patty Mills. I mean, Patty can get his own a little bit, probably out of those sort of names that I just mentioned. But yeah, an anti-buckets lineup. That's that's something that we might see with Steve Nash. He's coming up with <laughs> weirder and wackier combinations. Prove me wrong, Stephen. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Biggest lineup, Nick. Biggest lineup. What are the names? Yeah, and when I went big here, I thought about, obviously, height, but also size. So you're looking at Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, TJ Warren, and Dayron Sharp. I had clacks basically replacing Dayron Sharp. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if you want to, you know, you go a little skinnier. And I think, honestly, if you put clacks in this lineup, it becomes more realistic. You know, running out that lineup of Ben, Royce, KD, Warren, and clacks. That's really fun. And they couldn't even throw anything close to that last year, given the injuries and the players on the roster. Yeah, and they still have a, a glut of guys that are six three and under. But the fact they still can throw out a bit of size, not because they obviously have more, way more balance. And I think you know, you yeah. and I talked about this going to the off season. Was the most important thing was you wanted to go from a guard heavy roster to a wing heavy roster, and Sean Marks did that. You know, obviously there's holes in other spots, but that I think was one of the main goals of the off season, and that was achieved. Definitely. And speaking of Joe Harris, Nick, you know, we wanted to get to a minor little news tidbit that thankfully Brian Lewis released just before we started recording and Nick uh, alerted me to. And Joe, Joe, and it pertains to Joe Harris. Um, and his agent said that in terms of his health, he is 100%. He's doing, he's been doing great. He's doing great. He's 100%. He's in a great place. He's healthy. He's all good. He's ready to go. He's playing five on five. So that is really positive news about Joe Harris heading into the season, given. You know, the amount of other injury concerns when you've got TJ Warren, you've got you know, a, a Markeith Morris, you've got a, a heap of other rotation guys you know, coming off surgery, Seth Curry as well, Ben Simmons. So to at least tick one off and go, okay, Joe's doing okay. Because obviously he his injury was, has been long-term with the ankle. But now that he's doing five-on-five, five, he's doing everything he needs to be doing. He could probably play tomorrow by the sounds of it. Um, it's really you know positive news for the Nets and for Joe himself. Yeah, obviously the next step is seeing him on the court and see if he can get back to that level he was at. Obviously, two surgeries to the same ankle is always a little bit scary, but this is definitely very positive stuff. Obviously, kind of more positive than we've heard on other fronts for other players in terms of being ready for a training camper, quote-unquote, being 100%. Yeah, the fact that Joe's at 100%, you know, we heard Ben Simmons... I don't know the timeline now. A couple of weeks ago is my It's estimate. very cryptic, where it's nice to just kind of get some very open, honest stuff about Joe, where he's at. Yeah, from his agent, like straight yeah. from the source. You know, Shams, who's he getting it from? Is he getting it from Clutch? Probably. But yeah. I, I think also when it comes to Ben Simmons, it is, you know, very much behind the curtain and who knows. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Nick, we've got some time to really dive deep into some of the listener responses. And you know, if these ones that we've discussed, we, we might not spend a heap of time on it. But I did want to you know, shout out all the uh, – how many responses did I get? I got a lot of responses to, to the lineup combinations that people were sort of talking about. So we'll just dive right in. If you have any thoughts or if I think that you know it's worth discussion, we'll get into it. But if not, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to some other ones. But which line is it anyway? That's a great NBA Twitter <laughs> handle. Uh, he said, I was thinking about this. Like the idea of it on offense, but ultimately Ben Simmons is our best perimeter defender and not much of a rim protector. We lose uh, that if he's center. So he's talking about the lineup that I put out, which was Curry, Harris, Durant, uh, with Curry, uh, obviously the point guard, and Simmons at center. He says he likes a small bullish lineup with Morris as a floor spreader there as well. Yeah, obviously that could be something you could do. You mentioned before, Jack, you know, Morris could be that small ball five. Is this in the idea of, you know, Ben playing with Morris or Ben completely being on the bench with those other four? I think it's probably either. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at Ben, you want to see what he can do. I think also matchups matter and how you're defending and how you guys are holding up. You know, if you're getting cooked on the perimeter and you can't keep anybody in front of you, then obviously rim protection is going to be important. But if guys are holding their own, they're playing as a unit and really preventing that penetration into the paint, I think that's where you could become more acceptable not to have that traditional five. And obviously that's something Golden State has a lot of success doing, but it also requires your defense to be fully in sync. And that's not something we've seen from the Nets in the last year. You know, we saw that probably when the big three was there into that Buck series and, you know, the defense they played against Boston, they showed some promise in that series, you know, now it would be about a year and a half ago, but this past postseason, the defense wasn't close to being where it needed to be in terms of chemistry and just being synced up. No, it was awful for large majorities of the season. Uh, Hassan gave us a couple of combinations. He said for all our buckets, he clearly knew what we were going to be talking about on on the part two. He said Kyrie, Seth, Joe, KD, and Ben. And then he said for a final defensive stop to win the game, Royce, Kess, Utah, as in Utah, Watanabe, Ben, and Klax. That's a lot of defense there. Yeah, I think uh, the Buckets lineup pretty much matches up our best offensive lineup we had on part one. Uh, Defensive lineup, I think it's a little disrespectful of Kevin Durant to pull him out of that lineup. You know, he'd want to be in that final possession, so probably pull Kesser Utah out of there and throw KD in there. I I would as well if it's for a possession, but I will say Kevin Durant's defensive engagement last season, obviously a lot of it was probably health-dependent and stuff, 
but uh, I have a tweet, you know, in, in my draft sort of saved about, you know, how Kevin Durant can be such an impactful defender, but it's going to be about his self. It's going to be about his engagement. It's going to be about you know, the desire his and the nature of... Too. And his workload. Exactly. Yeah. So all those things are going to be in there. Don't really need to discuss this one because it's probably one we've spoken about heaps. Uh, Mershard on Twitter said Kyrie, Royce, Harris, Durant, and Simmons. Uh, we had... Uh, Jose Sanchez, I believe Kyrie shouldn't be the point guard as it's not his strong point, and I would love to see the following lineup. He said Kyrie, Curry slash Harris, TJ, Durant, and Simmons. And he says, although Curry's on the side, he's more reliable than Harris, and TJ's an all-round guy, and Simmons can play pretty much point center. What are you, I guess your thoughts on, on the lineup or, or his comments about the fact that maybe Joe Harris isn't as reliable? Yeah, I think the issue there is playing Kyrie and Seth Curry at the same time defensively. That's always a concern. That's just a very small backcourt, and neither guy is, you know, elite defensively. You know, Seth is probably closer to below average and above average, and Kyrie is, depending on the night, how he's going to play. But most most of the time, he's he's not great defensively. So, you know, that'd be the issue there. Um, obviously, TJ Warren it will provide you that kind of all-around play. And I think the difference between Seth and Joe really is just Joe provides you more size, gives you a little bit in the rebounding department. Obviously, Seth can create a little bit more, but I think Joe also provides a little bit more motion to the offense, you know, just in terms of that constant movement. Not to say that Seth is a bad mover. Joe's just really, really good at that. You could make an argument that, you know, Joe's probably a better role player, but Seth is a better bucket getter. You know, that was yeah. sort of alluded to. He's probably a two and a half level scorer, whereas Joe's two. You know, he's a, he's a good driver, and even that waned a little bit, you know, in, in games past the, the more recent si- sample size we got of Joe. But he's normally, you know, pretty good around the rim, and he has a, a spot or two in the mid range, whereas. Seth is just a bit more fluid as an offensive player. So I get the point just be, purely because if you just want to make offense and just, you know, you've got to guard us, you know, how much are the other team going to be able to guard Kyrie and Curry with their level of, of three-point shooting and, and even mid-range shooting and, and also just, you know, just all-around bucket getting. So I think it's it's, it's worth the point. But um, I like also, your point, though, Jack, that uh, Seth in his creation skills, I think, just works better with second units because you can utilize him more where Joe is just a a component of the offense when Kyrie and KD are drawing all that attention, especially even with TJ Warren and Ben out there too. Yeah. If you, uh, I mean the, what I would like to see is Ben staggered so he can be with Seth. Cause I yep. think that their combination has been incredible, you know, uh, in seasons past in, in Philadelphia as well. And then you know, you're just going to get wide open threes for days. Even if you throw like a Patty Mills out there or, or whoever else it might be, but um, BK born and raised said, I, I want to see, a lineup of Ben with Irving, Joe Curry, and KD. I want to see opposing coaches get frustrated when threes are raining down on them and they can't figure out how to stop it. Nick, I guess I'll just ask you because you know we've spoken about spacing lineups. Do you expect what is the basement? What is the worst that you think the Nets will be in terms of three-point shooting accuracy or volume next year? Do you expect them to be minimum top three? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's no reason not to be, you know, if they're going to be a successful team, they need to be top three, top five in majority of categories, you know, just because of the talent they have, but also, you know, that being one of the strengths of the team, all the shooting they have, they have multiple 40% shooters, guys that are known for shooting superstars that are known for shooting, obviously one star known not for shooting, but known for creating a ton of great three point looks. So there's no reason for them not to be super successful in that field. You know, Percentage-wise, if it's a little bit lower than top three, it wouldn't be crazy because their volume should be very high. 
and they'll be consistently knocking down threes every night. Where last season, uh, there was games where the Nets didn't even hit 10 threes. I would be surprised if they're not top three because you have Seth Curry and Joe Harris as your role-playing three-point shooters throwing a Patty Mills there. Those are the two best three-point shooters in the league in, in my eyes in terms of just role-playing guys. You probably throw in a Buddy Heald is probably another guy that I, I have real high high respect for. And then you've got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant who could do it you know, self-creation or created for them. And then it's just uh, TJ Warren, Markeith Morris, like these sort of guys who can sort of chip in, Royce O'Neal. There are so many guys in this roster that are you know, above average three-point shooters, so that's why I just I have a feeling that this team's one of their big strengths should be their spacing, and, and Ben obviously is going to have a field day with that, as I've uh, alluded to a couple times. A couple more lineups. I've got a lot to get through, Nick, so we, we might try and fly through uh, a couple of them. Russell Washington, besides the obvious Ben, Kyrie, Joe, Katie, Claxton, the likely starters, has had Ben, Royce, TJ, Katie, and Claxton as well, which I think is a nice little combo also. Yeah, and that's another example of them just having way more versatility. I mean, Ben's unique skill set obviously hurts in some lineups, but his ability to handle the basketball, his size, can allow the Nets to play you know these wing-heavy lineups and not put extensive pressure on Kevin Durant to handle the basketball. Definitely. Arishi put out a good one as well. I would love to see a lineup of Kyrie, Harris, Katie at the small forward, and then Mar- uh, Morris, not Maris, <laughs> uh, Morris, and then Ben slash Claxton. I think that's a nice little combo also where you got – I think Katie loves playing the small forward. I think he he, he thinks of himself, of himself as a small forward. So if you have you know a, a hefty-ish, a, a more sizable front court, that could do some damage also. Yeah, and that alleviates some of the pressure. Kind of similar to one of the small ball lineups we talked about, having Morris Simmons and KD. Now it's not pressure on two guys. It's you know a group effort of three dudes rebounding, providing that presence in the paint, and just giving you more size and length on the floor. And at the end of the day. You know, being lanky in basketball is a huge factor. You know, wingspans are huge. You're shutting down passing lanes. You're contesting shots. It's just like you're imposing on the other team. And when you can provide more length, it's always better. And then obviously Morris gives you more physicality than some of the other wings on the roster. And he's, I don't even want to say he's more defensive minded, but he's more physicality minded where he's going to bump a little bit more than a Kessler Edwards probably is. He's going to probably bump a little bit more than, you know, even a TJ Warren's going to be at least defensively. Yeah, and I've, the, those sort of little gritty things sort of go unnoticed. The sort of PJ Tucker mold of player that yeah. sort of fit alongside the superstars. We had Shan 0506. Uh, he sort of pushed back a little bit. He said there's a difference between playing perimeter defense and post defense. You're wasting Simmons trying to play him at center. He is not Draymond. He's a better ball handler, passer, and perimeter defender. Draymond is a better rebound and post defender. They are not interchangeable. What are your thoughts, I guess, on on us talking about Ben Simmons at the center and you know the Draymond comparisons? Yeah, I think you know Ben being quote unquote the center in the lineup doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be defending the center every time. You know they can still put him on the best wing. They could put KD on the center, or depending who's at the three or the four, you know they could be on the center. So I don't think they're going to lock you know Ben starting at the five. It doesn't mean that he's on the opposing center every single possession. I think it also just depends on what team and how imposing that guy is. And yeah, I think Ben is a better ball handler. He's, you know, the passing, he's better at creating passes where Draymond's a great passer and kind of that pick and roll, short roll stuff. Uh, perimeter defender, obviously Ben's better, but Draymond's, you know, a better, probably, you know, big defender, but also a better help defender and just has a better understanding of defense. Like Draymond's one of the best defensive minds to ever play in the NBA. And I think people kind of underestimate that when they, they draw these comparisons. So I think, 
you know, obviously, you know, Shan wasn't drawing that comparison, but people in the past have where I think it's important to give Draymond the credit he deserves and understand Ben does things better, but also he he has he doesn't have all the skills that Draymond has. No, and uh, Draymond's probably the best defender in NBA history alongside Dennis Rodman, you know, and Scottie Pippen, Kawhi Leonard, these sort of guys. And Ben Simmons is probably in the same sort of realms, maybe a, a tier below. I will argue against the fact that Draymond is a better rebounder. I think Ben Simmons is a far superior rebounder in terms of just his his size and ability to create offense off those rebounds. I I get maybe boxing out. I would and, say boxing out is probably the difference because if you look at Ben's career, he he probably is not doing a ton of boxing out given he's playing with Joel. He's just going in there, ripping down the board and going where Draymond's kind of like, you, you're the guy that's got to box out Joel. Yeah, no, that and that's fair. And I, I just think Ben's a better athlete by yeah. nature. Uh, now, he has substantially. to... Yeah, he has to prove that coming back off a back injury, and and maybe that's where some of his numbers do drop is the rebounding department. He doesn't have the same level of focus there, but I would I would hope he does because he can initiate that's a needed. lot of the. <laughs> yeah, the Nets do need it, and he can be a, a big hole in that department. Uh, a couple others that we'll sort of just scroll through a little bit. Nick Belda Adler said, Katie, Kyrie, Harris, Ben, and Clax, which we've also said. Another similar one from uh, Jeffrey Blue. Um, Hancho J. I like that. Nah, we'll go to a different one. Ah, Clandel Katute, Kyrie Harris, KD, Ben, and Miles Turner. You got the, 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 the mentions going a bit rumbling there. The Miles Turner stuff, Nick, is, uh, do we want to chat about it? Do we want me to go to a different one? Yeah, lineup? I mean, you... we're not going to really see it happen until if it does happen, it wouldn't be until December, January, February. So it'll be something that's constantly brought up. I don't expect this trade to happen in the next week or so. So, don't expect it until later in the year it does become the case or someone else could pop on the market. Exactly. Um, we had Orlando Allen who threw out a, a three different lineups and they were all really good. Kyrie, Royce, KD, Ben, and Clax. He also had Ben, Clax, Kyrie, Joe, and KD. He also had Ben, Kyrie, Seth, Joe, and KD. And there was one more I wanted to touch on on Solidarity Forever. He said, it seems obvious that Clax and Simmons shouldn't be on the court together, but I would like to see it just to prove it that it and that it won't work because the perimeter defense with those two plus KD brackets and maybe O'Neal would be incredible together with Kai for obviously the other side of the ball. What are your thoughts, concerns, queries, or maybe you're optimistic in a similar way to solidarity forever is about Clax and Simmons as a combination in the front court? Yeah, obviously the issue is the offense. And a lot of that too is based off the style in which the Nets played last year. When you're playing high isolation, having two non-shooters is a pretty big issue. If they get way more creative with Igor on staff and run some different stuff, a lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of off-ball screens, you know, keeping Claxton and Simmons engaged even when they don't have the ball and making the defense defend them or putting another teammate's defender in a stressful position is what they need to learn to do. Something Draymond's great at doing. A lot of the Golden State guys are great at doing. That didn't happen overnight, though, so I'm not sure how much you can anticipate that. I think it'll be less of an issue in the regular season. It becomes more of an issue in the postseason when we, everyone knows what you're trying to do and how they can stop you and what's been successful and what hasn't been successful for you. So I think regular season, we, we'll see them have some great games, have some great success because the defense will be great with those two. And then Katie's not bad, obviously. And Kyrie and Joe can give you enough. It's just how much can they do with the offense be, before it becomes a real issue and it starts to hamper other players offensively. 
Yeah, no, I think that that's completely fair. D-Rock also had one in the quotes where it's, I'll finish up with his. He had a couple of different ones, as D-Rock tends to do, throwing points <laughs> at The starting five, Kyrie, Joe Durant, Ben and Morris, which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, ending the first half, Paddy Royce, TJ Durant and Ben. A fourth quarter spark lineup, Seth, Joe, TJ Durant and Morris. Closing lineup, Irving, Royce, Durant, Ben and Morris. He's high on Markeith Morris. Uh, fourth quarter stop, Seth, Royce, Durant, Ben and Clax. I wouldn't have Seth out there if we're looking for a stop. Um, I think. Do you think Curry's a better defender than Seth Curry, Nick? I'm, I'm yes. oddly. Yeah, I think it as well. I just think he's a better athlete. I think he has better instincts as well. He's got better tools. I'll say Kyrie is more likely to go rogue and just do something that doesn't make sense defensively, where Seth is more likely to play his role. But I remember seeing a statistic, and Seth was like one of the worst help defenders in the league last season. So, and obviously his tools really aren't there. I think with a fourth quarter stop, you could go, you know, with Sumner in there. You could go with David Duke Jr. You could go with Kessler Edwards or some different things, especially again, if you had Ben out there taking some of the ball handling duties, see how he plays offensively and what type of role the Nets have for him. And the garbage time on he had was Cam, Sumner, Kess, Clax, and Sharp. So somewhat similar. I had Sumner in one of my sort of garbage time sort of youth lineups yeah. as well. So I like um, Sumner bit... in there. I forgot about it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of names now, Nick. We've got, we've got a lot of depth, a lot of roster stuff to, to chat on. Was there anything else you wanted to get to before you know we, we wrap this one up? I know you've got some big things going forward. We know we're planning some big things for the buzz. And we'll be able to get some extra recordings out for you guys soon because I will be on a bit of a break. So expect some some of the preview series to kick off pretty soon as well. Yeah, nothing really, Jack. I mean, there's a couple of irrational lineups I'd like to see. But I think over the course of the two episodes, we probably touched on them. Uh, again, just kind of alluding to some of the stuff you mentioned earlier, it's just a lot of the versatility and a lot of the wings on the roster and how Steve Nash will have plenty of tools to probably play a style closer to how he wants to play. And it's important for the Nets to have a successful training camp and kind of get everything on track so the team can have a great regular season. And that's been something that's been missing the last two years. Last year was not good, ended up in the play in the year before. You know, they did have some success because of James Harden, but still wasn't as good as it probably could have been. So this year, I think very important to have a successful regular season. You know, these lineups are going to be huge. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Steve Nash and his coaching. You know, you alluded to it. We've talked about it on different shows like he has to step up. And I'm intrigued to see if Steve's gotten better in any way. You would think he has just because, you know, he can't get much worse. So we'll see what happens over the course of the year and what type of lineups we see and what becomes our favorite lineup by the end of the season. Yeah, it can't get much worse. Hoping for like, you know, hoping for better when better hasn't been shown. And look, I think that I agree with you on the Steve Nash front because of the fact in 2021, I thought that he did some some nice things. I thought his experimentation was good. And now that he has, there are little to no excuses for him unless there are injuries or other extenuating circumstances that could happen and it's a Brooklyn net so of course that could but given the roster construction as it is you add in whoever else there might be one or two extra additions before we uh, kick off the regular season and the preseason Steve's got to step up it's as simple as that he's under as much pressure as, as anyone else in the franchise yeah, I agree. You know, maybe as much as anybody else in the league in terms of the coaching position. So we'll see what happens. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.